On this week's Inside Marketing, we'll be talking about the paradox of social media. Is it still a forum where any voice can be heard? Or is the unintended consequences being that it's become a forum for the extremists on either side? We'll talk about cancel culture too, and how brands need to tread carefully on social, cause or political issues. I'll be joined in studio by Maxine Hans and Georgia Hickey of Dentsu as we discuss the social paradox only on this week's Inside Marketing. The Inside Marketing Podcast. Brought to you by Dentsu and Irish Times Media Solutions. Hello and uh, welcome to this week's Inside Marketing. Um, As I said in the intro, we are going to talk about a really interesting topic today. We're going to talk about, well, lots of things, social media, cancel culture and lots of things in between. So um, I'm delighted to be joined in studio, which is which is rare. It's mostly done on on teams these days. So I'm delighted to be joined in person, in real life, in studio by Maxine Hans, who's a general manager of DensuX. Welcome, Maxine. Thank you. Thank you for making the long trip down two flights of stairs to (laughs) get here. It is a long way down. And on the same note, I'm delighted to be joined by Georgia Hickey, who's made a similar journey down two flights, three flights of stairs. And she, you are head of a paid social account director. So welcome. Thank you very much. I'm delighted to be here. Yes. Talk all things social. My Uh, area of expertise. Now this is going to be because, as I say. There's no right and wrong in these things. And Maxine, I'm going to start off with you. You you wrote a great article in in today's Irish Times, um, and we chatted about this before. And what I love about it, it's kind of it's a really provocative topic. And it's really interesting. It's really and the article is brilliant. It's food for thought. So I think I'd urge anyone to read it because I think if you, if everyone reads it, you'll have a different opinion. And I I, I kind of weighed in and now I, I kind of changed my mind on things because it's one of those. It's just a really interesting topic. So. Um, I think everyone will have a different opinion, so it's well worth checking out. Um, not not that the other articles aren't; they're all great, but like <laughs> this one was a particularly good one. Um, so I'm going to kick off now. When we think about social media, the, the, the great promise I think of social media was this: it was you know a great democratizer. So suddenly everyone had a voice, um, and everybody could be heard, which is great. But as you pointed out in the article, there, there was an unintended consequence that that kind of came hand in hand with that. Um, and what happens is over time it became. A, a, a platform of of polarized extremes, if you will. So, let's start off there. What have we seen happen on social platforms? And you know, are, are, do you think at the moment there's still a, a safe ground for any kind of public discourse on things, or or what's your view generally? I I think to be honest, it's it's a little bit of a mix of both. What we've seen, particularly in the last kind of five ten years, is um, more and more people with the strongest opinions. They're the ones that shout louder, shout more frequently. And effectively, what you're hearing is two polar opposites and the dimming of balanced conversation. And I think that is beginning to have a knock-on effect. And probably in the last five years, we've really started to see just Joe Public affected by that and having Mm -hmm. a little bit more concern about it. So, for example, um, there's some density research that's done, the Consumer Connection Study, which I find really interesting. And you've got about, in Ireland, about 79, 80% of all adults um, are actually looking at social media every single week. Yet you're actually only seeing about 28% of them posting on a weekly basis. So what you're getting is a lot more people observing and listening rather Mm. than actually interacting and participating. And there was um, there was a report in the UK, a YouGov report, that basically showed 57% of people had held back expressing their political or social views online out of fear of reaction. Mm. And then 
we also did another a pulse study in in Ireland back in September last year, which actually showed 81% of people are concerned about mass shaming on social media. And that, that's not them saying they're concerned about themselves, but they they have concerns of the impact of social media. So mm -hmm. for me, while I think social media still has huge potential to connect people and to give us lots more information and to create far more engagement, mm -hmm. the, the more negative side is really beginning to kind of be a concern and the, the impact of that I suppose for me it is is a worrying feature that mm. we've seen come through. Yeah, and we'll talk about brands in a minute. But and again, as I said at the start, um, I changed my mind on this because I can I can see both sides of it. But one of the one of the the, the brilliant benefits I think of of social media is that like it it does provide a platform, and, and it's hard for things that maybe would have not been noticed or, or picked up or seen before. It's hard for those things to people to get away with things or, or kind of wrongs or things like that to, to, to go unnoticed. So, cause everyone has a camera and somebody's going to capture something. Um, um, um we, we'll, we'll talk about brands in a minute and it, cause it applies to people and brands about, you know, maybe weighing in on, on social causes and that kind of stuff. Um, but like, just to make a point about being afraid to have an opinion on social media about stuff, cause I think it's really interesting. I, I mean, I, I like anybody else find well, any kind of prejudice or kind of social injustice, horrible and disgusting but i do feel me i would feel uncomfortable as an individual posting about certain things um because i'm a middle-aged white straight male from from what would be considered like a privileged background when you when you think about the world so i kind of feel sometimes i'm not entitled to have an opinion on 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 certain topics and um and even though like i might have my opinion might be as valid as anyone else's like i would feel me personally you know it's my bad i'd feel a bit uncomfortable weighing in on on things about you know black lives matter or gender or even sexual preference because i kind of feel people would go you don't know what you're talking about you you can't empathize with that because you're not that person or you're you you know you don't know what you're talking about which would be fair um so and again like and i don't mean to be judgmental because i i am as as kind of judgmental as anyone in this space i'm just to give you a story like when the black lives matter thing went on i, I was leaving i was going for a walk and one of the the, the residents there had put up a they scribbled on on cardboard with a with a black marker you know black lives matter and like i could see the waterford whispers news headline just saying you know black lives matter says 55 year old millionaire white male in south leafy sound county dublin i was just you know what and I know it's good. I I don't think he has kids, to be honest. So I don't know. I just I just say if it matters, it doesn't. Obviously, it doesn't matter that much if that's all you're prepared to do. So I mean, I'm kind of going on a bit of a rant a little bit, but you know what I mean about it. Just felt so insignificant that that kind of gesture of Black Lives Matter. I mean, if it means something, it means something. So again, I'm ranting here, but so. George, I'm going to ask you a question here. Like, isn't it a bad thing that that a fear of public comment, um, you know, stops people having an opinion or brands having an opinion on something? What do you think? It's a bad thing. Um, I suppose, as you said, like, I don't think you need to be entitled to be empathetic or to have an opinion on an issue. Okay. Um, like, if you feel strongly enough about it. Um, and I suppose if people judge you based on your support of an issue, then that's potentially their problem. True, um, true. But I suppose there is like a better and a best way to support issues. I don't necessarily want to say that there's a right and a wrong way mm. because like everyone will be differing on their opinions. But again, like just changing your profile picture, say a pride flag or as you said, having mm. a Black Lives Matter sign on your gate. Like, is, is that really doing enough? But then I suppose at the same time, 
like could you actively be, be, be supporting this conversation but I suppose for some people that potentially is the most they can do yeah. with the resources the time that they have so I suppose having this kind of conversation it's better than nothing it's better than not than them not having yeah. giving their support to these things and just having like if that's the best they can do and them putting the sign or them changing their their profile picture potentially that is the most yeah. they feel comfortable doing or if yeah. they maybe don't have as much information available to them to have a full-on conversation but they know they want to support the issue then mm. potentially that's that's their way of doing that yeah and i guess me what i don't know what this chap was doing or whatever he could be doing loads of stuff for all i know um so again I, i'm i'm giving out about something that that I'm I'm guilty of because I don't know maybe this guy was doing loads of stuff maybe well, I just, just felt so inconsequential um, but yeah no I think that's right and that's one of the things we come back to like when we talk about brands because one school of thought would say you know spending money on, on supporting something showing their support for it is a good thing so any anything that talks about it or raises in, in a level of social consciousness is a good thing where and maybe I'm being too hard but it's just why it's just such a, a tricky topic um, I would just say I think when it comes to an individual, and this isn't about businesses and brands and all of the rest of it, but when it comes to an in individual, I think a counter argument to if people start to feel, oh, I can't chip in on that or it, it's not relevant to me because I am not the right race, not this, that and the other. I, I would just say that as, as a counter argument, and this is very much around individuals, not around brands, not around anything else, but I think that for people who are feeling, oh, I can't comment because that isn't me, I'm I'm yeah. the wrong colour, I'm the wrong rate, I'm whatever. I think there is still a role for people to show their support mm. and that role of friends of is important. So, for example, your kind of Black Life Matters example, people feeling that they can just explicitly say, I support it and they're friends of, isn't mm. a bad thing. Yeah. I, I think where it starts to get messy is when you are moving into the brand territory when you're moving into other areas and they're making money off it. Yeah. But yeah, if, if you're showing your personal support for something, that's a good thing. As, a as long thing. as you're not berating people and giving them yeah. I mean, I a think, hard time. Yeah, I think it gets it gets complicated when brands come into the mix. And we'll talk about it. But one of the other things that is important to, to um, consider is that, like, you have to be careful today what you put out in the world because it stays on record forever, right? And and um, it's there. It's well until you delete it, of course. But but something that you say can can then be, and particularly if you're a famous person or a brand, it can be then gone back to, and it can be picked up later on, and it can be often presented back without the full context of, of what it was. So I seen you talk about this in the article. So talk to me a little bit about 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 cancel culture generally and, and the times in which we live and, and what it is and how I suppose how important it is now <laughs> in terms of, you know, because because social yeah. is predominantly the place where where people go back and dig up things which which leads to cancel culture. It's happened to Tommy Tiernan recently it wasn't social, but it's it's very topical at the moment. Um talk to me about cancel culture. Cool. Now, cancel culture, I think it's it, it's basically the, the phenomenon of the withdrawing of support for public figures, celebrities, companies, etc., that are perceived to have said or done something offensive or controversial or insensitive. And that can take kind of many different forms. It can be boycott of products and services or events, or it can be pushing to remove the content from other social media platforms. Or even, as you said, it can be 
basically petitions trying to get people fired, mm. which is it's pretty extreme in that sense. And I think the term cancel culture originally originated on social media where people might use the hashtag cancel mm. mm-hmm. as a signal they weren't supporting a particular person or a brand. And th- that's the whole point. It's the idea of cancelling support. Um, it means that individuals and communities can actually send a message um, and exert some pressure on people or on companies or whoever who have caused harm or offence. Um, it's one of those, I suppose the best way to describe it is, it's a controversial and can often be a polarising topic because some people will argue it really does represent, and social media in particular represents an inform, an important form of accountability. Um, for those in positions of power, they're being held to account and making sure it's there. But other people see it as a form of kind of online mob justice that's stifling free speech and creativity. Mm-hmm. And in my opinion, I can see both sides, to yeah. be honest. I think there are valid arguments um, that it, we do want that accountability. And I would say that globally we have moved forward in leaps and bounds in terms of the amount People, politicians, companies, everybody are being held to account, which is a really good thing. But on the other hand, I get very unsettled by that mob culture. And particularly when you start to see the calls for so-and-so should be fired and all of those things. And so I think it is a hotly debated topic. It it is. um, And the thing, like, social media, I mean, it came from a good place. There's, you know, had some bad consequences but by and large i would think it's a it's been a, a it's a more positive thing than a negative thing you know overuse of, of social media or you know obviously bullying and stuff like that there's there's things that happen but the but the ideology behind um social media as a platform of connecting people and, and, and giving a voice um and being able to connect in with like-minded people i think that's one of the great things about it suddenly if you were an individual who was maybe Growing up in Ireland, you're a bit quirky, you like stuff, you didn't fit in with other people, you like stuff that other people didn't like and whatever. You find those communities of people like you, which which is pretty cool because, you know, there's nothing worse than feeling isolated and alone. Now, that ability to connect people in with like-minded individuals, the technology that underpins social media generally means that that can be a bad thing, right? So it can have confirmation bias as well in terms of like, like-minded people into the same stuff as me sounds good when when it's kind of squash or you know baking or whatever when you when you take it into where it could go negatively the same technology has the ability to do that so um maxine what's going on here with this confirmation was what do you think about that because i know you touched on it in the article what do you what do you mm. what's your point I, of view on that i I, th- I think that's a great term confirmation bias is exactly what's happening um, well, it was your term, so you're just saying you're <laughs> saying your own term was great. So thank well you. Done. Well, there you go. I'll, I'll try to cope with that one. You might need to edit that out. <laughs> no, I'm going to leave that in. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think for most of us, we know that algorithms are there. We know things are happening, but most of us don't spend a lot of time thinking about why we're seeing certain information on social media. Mm-hmm. It's just part of the feed. It's it's there, um, but the algorithms that are used by the platforms mean that we're automatically going to be seeing content that we're most likely to engage with. Mm. And that means that it creates this almost echo chamber that amplifies certain voices and suppresses others because you're hearing more people with the same opinion and it's kind of getting pushed out there. And we get what I would say is a distorted view of reality. You're not actually getting a genuine, balanced, fair picture 
what you're hearing is just a lot more of the same. Mm -hmm. And so if, if I give you an example, if you've engaged with a post and forgive the example, Dave, because I'm not sure this is you, but let's say you've engaged with a post about fly fishing in Galway. Have you been looking at my account? <laughs> <laughs> what that means is the algorithms will, will work. So you're going to see a whole load more content around that. And that's just going to be kind of pumped into your feed on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. Now, imagine if that's what happens around, let's say, a slightly more um, socially or politically contentious issue. And you've engaged with a post just because you wanted to read a little bit more or you wanted to see something about a certain element. You end up seeing huge, huge volumes of content around the same subject, giving opinions that will give you a false perspective of what should be a wider picture. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a risk and it's yeah. I, I don't know if there's an easy fix because the whole point of the algorithms is to make sure you're seeing things relevant to you but on the other hand it is shutting down yeah. you seeing two sides to an argument yeah there there definitely is like i suppose issues with that in that so say it, if it's political issues so say we saw this obviously around the covid vaccine and things mm. like that where the, you know potentially a lot of the content was very anti-vaccine yeah and so a lot of the people who were potentially reading it thinking, oh, this is nonsense. But that's what their thought was. Mm. But they were seeing more and more of it yeah. because they were talking about it, but not supporting it. Right. Yeah, but they're yeah. still seeing all of this content because they're being seen as like, oh, they like this kind of content. Mm, they've engaged and it, with it. Exactly. They've engaged with it. They've read it. So it's not even like engaging in content is not necessarily actually commenting, liking, yeah. it's viewing. Yeah. So yeah. even you're watching the video yeah. or, you know, watching a piece of content that counts mm. as you being interested, like I use that term loosely, yeah, yeah. Um, in that content. So while you might not have an active interest mm. in it being that you don't support the issue, mm. it's still... Registered. It's still, your, it's still show, exactly. And so it still comes up in your feed. Yeah. And so obviously, you know, it could be the same, you know, like recently, say this isn't like... um like a political issue but say I engaged on a certain like a website where I signed up for a product yeah. and I've been seeing so many ads mm. for just that same product mm. now and like I'm like I've already That's I've, already, fault. I've I'm like I've already bought it yeah, yeah. I've already yeah. bought it <laughs> Yeah. I know. Yeah. Please, please note. Yeah. I don't need that ad again. Yeah. I know. Yeah. That, that's it. There's those runners that follow me around the web for the rest yeah. of my life that I just went and saw and bought. Um, like anything, social's evolved. It's evolved quite a lot over time. So, um, like TikTok, TikTok changed quite a lot because I think the model before, um, for for Facebook and Instagram was like you followed people predominantly. So, and and the the, the content that was surfacing to your feed was based on people you followed um predominantly based on people you followed you know friends family but but people with large audiences and that content traveled and then um tiktok kind of changed that to a degree you didn't have to follow anybody it just surfaced content you didn't have to tell it anything just go on and it was very intuitive it will learn by what you like you say if you looked at a video for a couple of seconds spent a little bit long it's say probably likes this bit if you scroll up immediately doesn't like that um and i I thought that was brilliant because the algorithm on, on TikTok is incredible. I feel sometimes it knows what I'm interested in more than I know myself. It gives me stuff and, I'm going, and then I'm going, well, and I get all these life hacks and all off. And I spend hours on TikTok. I never post anything, but as a consumer, I'm lost to spend hours on it. So, um, but that, that, that model of you don't have to follow anybody, it learns from your behavior. And it sounded brilliant. And I don't know if you saw this, oh, was it last week or whatever? But then I read that every TikTok employee has a, a, a capability, they have a heating button. They can heat content that 
they just want to give an artificial boost to, um, which means it shows up whether I've been interested in it or not. It just it guarantees it's going to show up in my in my feed. Which again is not a problem generally. I mean, things can be boosted all the time, but I think that I didn't know that they could do that, and the lack of transparency around that I think is a problem. And then there's obviously things that it could be it could be open to misuse, if you will. So you might have political agendas, or you know, just it, it wasn't it wasn't quite as pure as as I was led to believe it was. So, well, again, we're talking. I'm talking a lot here. And um, is that just the way it is? Am I like? Do you think that's so what? Like, of course they boost content. What's the problem? They can heat things. Is that just the way it is? Or do you think that if they're going to do this platforms like TikTok, they're going to heat content that they should be very transparent about the fact that they're doing this? What I do mean, think? I suppose, uh, I think if if potentially that were true, there would potentially be implications. It's 100% true. Yeah. You heard it here first. <laughs> for, like there would be implications yeah. for the platform because I suppose there's obviously a serious lack of transparency around that. Yeah, it's alleged at the moment. And so there. there's obviously... There is obviously organic ways that you can increase, you know, views on a video, such as like sharing with your friends, encouraging comments, likes, mm. etc. But I suppose, and like that all plays into the algorithm of like having content show up more frequently. So mm. if you engage with like, you know, dog videos, you're obviously more likely to see more dog videos yeah, later yeah. on. But I suppose then kind of it comes into it where um, other platforms, I suppose, have had to become more transparent across mm. the board. So take, for example, Meta who they basically now on every single Facebook page, there's an option where you can click page transparency and you can see every single ad that a page is running at any time. Right. So it's it's super useful for us yeah, as yeah. marketeers yeah. going in and seeing what competitors, what your competitors are doing. Mm -hmm. But also it means you can see as a, like a consumer, you can see like, oh, what are they advertising? Like, what are they, like right. what yeah, kind of yeah. messaging are they doing? Um, and I suppose, potentially that's something that's going to have to come out for the other platforms as well. Because I know Facebook originally, I think they brought this out um, like around the time of the um, the US elections. Mm -hmm. um, and it was the same time that they brought in the political disclaimer to show that you had to prove who was paying for the ads. Um, so this disclaimer now comes up. So there is a lot more transparency on social but it's not on all platforms right um i suppose at the moment i think probably meta has the maybe the strictest right um forms of this kind of transparency there's others that are potentially following suit mm. but you know if there if there was um like that heating button yeah. which i think potentially there obviously is like the potential for misuse yeah but at the same time is is there an opportunity to have um something more real yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. I know what you mean, and it's good that they're getting that they're getting better, you know, and and being more transparent because, yeah, just look, it started from a good place, and and overall, I think it, it's been a a, a, this is a a good thing for society, right? More, no, nothing is has universal upside with no downside. It's just the way of the world. Um, Maxine, just to go back on something. You make a you make a great point in your article, which which is that there's a, a statute of limitations um for criminal offences, right? So and, and which is fair, but there seems to be no such forgiveness um for art, entertainment, opinions, expressions by either brands or individuals. Again, contentious question here. Are, are, have we gone too far in, with with cancel culture now? Do you think? Crikey, yeah, <laughs> honestly, yes. Um, and I know that's kind of maybe not a popular opinion, but I just think while social media is really, really great for holding us all accountable, 
I think that, and I've had this conversation with kind of other friends, I think we've got to a point where we're seeing a loss of willingness. People aren't willing to accept an apology. Yeah. And it's it's got to the point that that people aren't being given an opportunity to acknowledge their mistake and move on. If you think about the number of times over just the last couple of years where we've seen someone make a mess of a situation, yeah, yeah, and let's be honest, we all balls up at times. Yeah, it's, of course, no, it's no, no one is perfect, condition. no one's infallible, but they make a mess of a situation, and then all of a sudden you get this public pile on, calling for their sacking, calling mm. for their life to be destroyed, for everything to be kind of done to them, and it's like, whoa, yeah. hold hold back, and I think, um. Oh, if I could think of the name of the celebs, I would give it to you. But I know that we've seen celebs being vilified for yeah. posts that they made as kids. And yeah. it's kind of like, yeah, they shouldn't have said that. Mm -hmm. They acknowledge they shouldn't have said that. And that that was a bad thing. But come on, let, let them actually make a, a genuine apology. Yeah. Like we've all kind of grown yeah. in maturity. Like some, some, what yeah. someone posted when they were 16 on Twitter doesn't necessarily mean that they believe in that now when they're, True. you know, 35, 40. Exactly. They were 16 at the time. There there has to be some kind of give and take for what limitations, people, what, you know? what people yeah. say. And like they potentially could have changed their complete opinion yeah. by now if they made like maybe a racist comment back then. But exactly. now maybe one of their best friends or is 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 black or yeah. they have adopted a child who's black. Do mm. you know there there's potential for yeah. you know complete turnaround. But you, Dave, you you mentioned earlier the recent example with Tommy Tiernan. He 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 balls up. Yeah. He 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 made a completely inappropriate joke that he shouldn't have, and he should have been called out for it. But it was in a comedy club, though, right? It was in a comedy Paying club. People. But he also made a follow up. He made a pub. He called. He called the kind of lady offended. He made a public apology. Yet there were still. Yeah. I saw it on social media. There yeah. were still people kind of. He should be sacked, Marty. He shouldn't be doing this. And it's like. He yeah. he acknowledged that he he messed up. Now I'm not saying you can apologize everything away. If if there there are certain behaviors that are just very extreme, yeah. and you wouldn't want to see kind of people just being able to kind of walk away without actually kind yeah. of being held well, to account. Some consequence, yeah. But on the other hand, I think actually, and we, we're brought up like this from kids, being able to acknowledge a mistake mm. and apologise honestly and learn from it and be able to move on is part of all of us growing up and learning. And shouldn't we be having a little bit more of that balance yeah. within social media as well? Yeah, because I, I still don't know what the joke was. I, I've seen an enormous amount of coverage about the fact that he told the joke. Everyone's talking about it. I've even said, well, yeah, he should know better than that. I don't even know what the joke was. So I'd like, so it's like everyone will talk around it. Everyone has an opinion on it, but I don't know the context. I mean, I, I, I know the subject matter of the joke, and and it was, it, I don't know, but I, I like no one, no one will publish the joke, and no one would say, here's what he said. So you've got everyone talking about it, and he's being vilified, and everyone's saying he should be cancelled. Most people probably say, I don't even know what the joke was. Yeah, it's it, just I, a bit mad. It just seems yeah. a bit mad. Um. Now, we could go down a rabbit hole here, but like, again, I'll be interested in both your views on this one. Um, we talked a lot about people there and, and people are people. That's fine because we can all make mistakes. And it, the human condition, as you say, we all I'm, I think we all like a good apology. I think people are quite forgiving humans generally. But you see a lot more brands coming in on 
um, say societal issues and political issues. And you know, while while we talk, we touched on this already. While some people will say, "Oh, it's great because um, brand A is using their advertising dollars to talk about this thing." you know, which raises it in, in a level of social consciousness around it. But then the, the flip side is that is that which sometimes becomes a problem is because, you know, it's thinly veiled marketing campaigns, right? So, and it, and it's, its primary purpose, I think, deep down is to sell more stuff. And I think you get into, like, I take George Floyd, we're not going to talk about it too much, but like Nike came in big on Black Lives Matters, that's fine. Mark Ritson wrote a column on this. It was not me saying this. Mark Ritson wrote a column saying, you know, if they really cared, they could do a lot more than just make an ad because it's got to do that. They could normalize black lives in positions of authority by looking at their own board. And I was look, it's it maybe I could be being a little bit, I could be being a bit hard here, but he had that point of view and he said, I don't think brands should just go out and make campaigns about it. Now I'd see other people would say, well, making a campaign about it is great because I mean, they maybe should have given all the profits to charity in that instance. I don't know. It's a minefield, um, but what are your thoughts on it? Who wants to go first? Is any who who wants to go first? What do you think? It's a good thing or a bad thing? By the way, and there's no right or wrong because I can see both both sides of it. But I just just think going out and talking about it. If the, your your weapon of choice is an ad campaign, I mean, you think you get your house in order first? Do something. I I think you've hit the nail on the head there. For, for me, I don't have a problem with brands supporting issues, but if they're living the values that they're supporting, if they're actually doing something about it and there's more going on within their business than just it being a badging exercise because they can see that their potential consumers, their potential mm. customers care about it, therefore they want to kind of tick box, yes, we're associated with it because that will make those customers like us more. That's a pretty, mm. a pretty lightweight, lame excuse for being able to get involved. If they're actually actively kind of getting involved and whether that is just providing funding or whether it's just how the company have built out their policies, how they engage and how they do business. And that is very aligned with the causes that they're supporting. I, th mm. I think there's a lot of credibility to be coming from it. I think um, over the over the kind of time while I was writing the article and all the rest of it, I think one of the things I've always known about Ben and Jerry's, I've always heard about the kind of the, the socially aware causes and the kind of the activations that they do, but they have a genuine passion. It's it's kind of like I'm going to sound like such a nerd here, but they they are very focused on kind of social responsibility, kind of fair trade, yeah. environmental issues, etc. And they've got a foundation that they pump money into that mm -hmm. then goes and kind of does work. I I was flicking through, trying desperately hard to kind of see if I could see any stats in terms of their profitability, stuff like that. But what I was finding was even back in, what was it, 2011, they were contributing over something like 2.2 million to this foundation. Mm. Last year, or no, sorry, it was 2021 was the last figures that were published. It was over 4 million. Mm. So that they are living it and so when they come out and they're supporting fair trade or when they're supporting kind of key issues you kind of feel that they've got a right to do it yeah because they're living it and that to me i'm not saying brands have to be giving millions and millions and millions but i do think both their house internally and how they treat their team and how they treat their mm. kind of their workers their suppliers etc but also how they behave externally needs to be aligned with whatever message mm. they're saying. 
Yeah, and I totally buy that because I don't I don't have a problem with Ben and Jerry's talking about fair trade, but because their supply chain of ingredients and and the the, the farmers that they deal with and and they can directly impact that. Right? I I don't really, I, I have no problem with that. I I I mean I, I do have a problem with an ice cream brand or a shoe company weighing in on racial equality. It's just, it's just I mean there's plenty of other things I think, and I'm not gonna have a go with any um shoe manufacturer there's loads of things they could get involved in to, to make the world a better place some could be you know the exploitation of labor in different places it could be paying factory workers 50 percent higher than minimum wage just loads of stuff you can get involved in that you could actually do tomorrow and every brand has i think you are quite good at these things um because i think when brands align to causes that are within their wheelhouse it's cool it's, it's fine like i mean hellman's kind of a point of view on tackling food waste because that's what the thing does and it can and it's great when it invests money in food waste programs that's fine the dove is the is the, the great example because they can have a point of view about um stereotyping females in advertising because the first thing they did was stop making ads that did that and then they can actually invest in educating people that's i i think that's that's all great i mean but but as i say it's slightly problematic when you, i think if you're using if you think nike i sometimes think it's a bit self-indulgent um for nike or whoever to think that they need to educate people about racial equality and, and kind of help me set my moral compass but then like you know don't take a high moral ground in these things not just Nike, anybody don't make a glitzy ad campaign um and then when you boost your sales and it delivers maximum profits, it just feels wrong. Am I being hard, George? Let's, yeah. let's ask you here. I mean, am I being wrong? On, am I too harsh here? I don't. I I generally think that brands they do generally need to be kind of a bit careful on this. Um, they can't just like hop on every single bandwagon and support mm. every cause. It wouldn't be authentic. No. For them to support every single one, and like as you said, it needs to be organic for the brand to support an issue. Um, and I suppose realistically, they probably need a paper trail, even almost of like supporting that issue before they even bring out a glitzy mm. ad campaign or using it for marketing promotional purposes. Um, they have to have supported that issue in the past. And like, as you said, Maxine, it needs to align with their values internally. Yeah. You know, if they're going to start talking about Black Lives Matter, do they have a diverse workforce within their own yeah. company? Yeah. Have they brought in these kind of policies? Do they support these issues? Yeah. You know, they, they can't just put a label on it outside and yeah. then do nothing internally to support the issue like it kind of needs to start from the ground up before they even yeah. start using it as a marketing exactly. message so yeah true. as i know I've said, I've said this before the problem with um kind of purpose marketing is not the purpose it's the marketing and and, and that's the problem um maxine talk to me about rainbow capitalism i i think i know what it is but what is it and what's the problem with it it's, fair it's in your article, it's, so. it's, it's a good question so basically rainbow capitalism is about the commercialization of the lgbtq plus uh community and the use of the rainbow imagery and symbols to market products and services um and it's it's often used the term rainbow capitalism is often used to criticize companies that are exploiting the right. LGBTQ plus um, community for profit without actually doing anything meaningful. So it's, it's okay. kind of what we've all been saying. It's about the fact that uh, people talk about it as it's a form of pinkwashing where companies have this kind of veneer of support, which is covering up their own harmful practices or lack of action on issues. Um, I was digging around and even in 2020, Coke um, was accused of rainbow capitalism, sorry, Coca-Cola. 
get the term right, um, okay. was accused of rainbow capitalism when they released a limited edition rainbow-themed bottle for Pride Month. And there were people arguing that they were exploiting the LGBTQ plus community without actually doing anything meaningful. Mm. And I think that's the issue. It goes back to what we've all just been saying. It's you want the kind of the pride community want that support and they mm. want to know that the kind of the wider population are there supporting them, which is a good thing. Mm -hmm. But it's when brands are doing it without and they're doing it really to make money because they think it's going to sell them more cans of drink. It's going to mm. kind of get them more customers in the door because people are aligned to that cause and they're not actually living the value. Mm. So yeah, like they, they need to live the values internally and externally before there's even any kind of room for them to bring out a pride themed bottle of their their product you know there does need to be that and i suppose you know like say changing your profile picture for a week or for pride week for pride month like what does that i suppose what's the like doesn't harm it on the surface no. but i suppose but what's wrong with doing so what what's wrong I played devil's advocate what's wrong with just going you know what we're going to do nothing here except change our logo to rainbow logo for the week stick a load of flags up and you know paint the windows what's wrong with that I suppose like my thoughts is it potentially could like dilute the message right. if it's just seen as like the done thing it's you know every single company's doing it every single right. person's just changing their profile picture to have a rainbow flag but I suppose again coming back to my point when they're doing this. Do they have policies in place internally mm. or are they just, you know, whacking a rainbow flag on it and saying, yeah, that, that's it. Yeah. And they only ever talk about it for that one month a year, the one week a year, and then it's forgotten about it. Never talked about it again. There's mm. not a policy in place. Yeah. There's no active support. They don't support the charities, the cause outside of that week, yeah. month, a year. Yeah. yeah. I, I agree with you. I think from a brand perspective, it's really important. I just wouldn't want individuals to feel that kind of changing their profile to have the kind of profile like to show their support and to show their friends of, you wouldn't want people put off because that's the whole point. Mm -hmm. But you, it's when people are monetizing and making cash out of it off the back of something by trying to be associated with it. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, I think it's very different when it's, you're an individual doing it compared to a brand doing it. Yeah. As an individual, you're you have your own personal opinion, your own personal yeah. views. Yes. You have no gain from making yeah. your your profile picture a rainbow apart from saying yeah. I'm an it's ally. So you're, I, you're I stand yeah, exactly. yeah. Whereas yeah. brands obviously it does su support them in some kind of way as showing that they potentially support the issue. But yeah. again, for it's just exactly for a week, for a month, however long. Yeah. And then, you know, when the next issue comes around, they change it again to something else. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. Yeah. you know, I feel like kind of you need to pick a cause and go with it. You, you can't support every single cause. You mm. can't donate to every single charity. You need to pick one that's, as you said, like within your wheelhouse. And you don't have to be everybody, organic. Everybody doesn't have to make a video about, about, you know, getting people to say stuff. I just, I think like it is one of the things I, I can't stand the bandwagon that goes on around. I just, I can't stand it because it's easy to do. It, the things that most companies do are just really easy to do and they're done to kind of give them a little bit of a kind of a raise, raise their profile and make them more popular for whatever and post video. I just, but it's so, it, it requires little effort or commitment. Um, and I talked about this before in the podcast years ago in one supermarket and they did this, I won't say who they were. 
Um, but they took a BLT sandwich and they put guacamole on it and it became an LGBT sandwich and charged an extra quid for it. I don't think <laughs> and they didn't give any of that money back into a cause. I just think it's like, it's just, there's too much that trivializes something that is like, it's a really important topic to people. Like it matters to people. It's, and it, I, I think trivializing it and just, you know, tokenizing things just takes away from, from, a lot of the good things that go on. Max, what what, what do you make of behavior from brands that were like, if you're working with a brand and they were saying, we're thinking of doing a big pride campaign um, or changing our logo or whatever, or whatever, <laughs> whatever, bringing out, bringing out a, a, an LGBT sandwich. What would you, what would you, what do you think of brands doing that type of behavior? No, I, view? I, I, I think I'm pretty much aligned with you on that, that I, if they're going to come out in support of any cause, um, and use it for their marketing, they've got to be on board with that cause. And actually, it's got to be kind of part of their business, kind of make it, they need to make sure that they're making a valuable contribution. And that isn't just giving some cash and it's kind of like, yeah. oh, we're going to give a 20 grand donation, tick box, move on. Mm -hmm. It's actually standing by the values associated with it mm -hmm. and making sure that filters down through their company so they're living and breathing it rather than it just being... A, a, yeah. a badging exercise yeah like they definitely need to I suppose obviously be actively supporting it with charitable donations but that's mm. not the only thing that's important mm. it's obviously important to you know have a messaging around this cause like what is their stance on it what are their values yeah. like again like I said they need to have policies within their company themselves mm. that support these issues before they can even think about bringing out some kind of marketing campaign you know talking about this yeah, I agree. And there's, and there's one, like, because this is a thing that kind of annoys me about marketing. There's loads of clever campaigns and they're done. Like, the, the I'm not sure if either you're football fans. I'm a football fan. And the Premier League, the Premier League have a campaign that's called Rainbow Laces. And they get the, the player. And I think the players are actually good. I think the players, particularly younger players now, they try and support this Um but it's an FA initiative and it's designed to support, you know, pride. And they do, I think it's done for a month. Um and it's to stamp out homophobia. But the the problem is, is it is just that. It's a clever little campaign. Like people in marketing go, oh, look, that's brilliant. The, you know, the, the solidarity of all the, the players all coming together. And, and at the end of the day, putting different colored laces in their boots is pretty much what they do in an armband. But yeah, you go and stand in the terraces of, of English football and it's quite a toxic environment at some point. It is not a safe place for any kind of diversity. There's still racist chance. You saw what happened. You probably didn't see mm. what happened to the players in England in, in the European Championships like two years ago. It 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 feels tokenistic and it feels like I think they could do more. So um as I was saying, there might be 80, 100 teams in, in English football, and there's only one openly gay football. And each each team might have a squad of 50, 60, 70 players on their books say an average 50 yet there's only one openly gay footballer at the moment that's Blackpool's Jake Daniels now interestingly the last one before him was a, was a guy uh, called Justin Fashion who's Joe Fashion's brother and he he didn't come out he was he was disgracefully um outed by a newspaper mm. and well they said we're going to we're, we're going to out you unless you give us an interview which he did uh it made his life a misery he ended up taking his own life in 1998 so i mean all the rainbow laces in the world are not going to because we're getting a bit heavy but you know what I mean that, that's one that just annoys me because I think you want to do something about it and um, find out we've got technology take somebody out of the terraces ban them for life 
Find clubs points, find clubs, not, don't point find clubs money. They can pay that, no problem. Find the Premier League points or whatever. So question, am I being too harsh here? <laughs> because it's a bit heavy, but I'm, I'm, I mean, is it too much for me to ask that DFA do something with a bit of teeth in this issue? I, yeah. I think it's I suppose garbage. There definitely is a bigger job to be done than just like rainbow laces. And I suppose statistically speaking with the number of players in the league, there's potentially more gay players within the league that yeah, just haven't that just haven't come out. They just don't feel safe. But the question out, yeah. is, like, why haven't they come out? Is it like a personal choice that they just don't maybe don't feel ready, or have they been told by their teams or maybe their PR person to mm. keep quiet? And again, like, if so, like, why should they hide yeah. who they are? There and like that's a bigger issue. So is there like a fear that they have a backlash, judgment from their team members, fans, general public? Above, yeah. So there's a lot know. of things that I suppose we like. As, as the world where, you know, there is a history of kind of backlash or judgment for people coming out as being gay. Mm. And so how, what can we do about that? And like, where where is the messaging? Because mm. you take rugby, for example. It's a far safer environment for to be, to be a gay man playing rugby. And you, what do you think about rugby's macho when it's kind of, you know, they're, they're, and football is, you know, you can't tip somebody or they fall over. And, and, and rugby, you would, but it's far more inclusive sport. Um, Maxine, what do you think? No, I, I, I don't think you're being too harsh. I think that there does need to be more done and the FA need to kind of stand by that and to be kind of pushing a more inclusive, more balanced message. Mm -hmm. The only thing I would say if I was giving a counter argument to, me, to it would be at least they're making a start. It's True. you go back X number of years, there wasn't even that. And yeah, okay, it, it's a tiny drop in the ocean kind of mm -hmm. rainbow colored laces but at least it's a start and now what we need to do is get them to build the momentum mm -hmm. yeah. and actually start yeah. to go step back and look at what can they put in place how can they start to change things because it is a huge task you you said yourself you stand in the football stands mm -hmm. for me it, it it's a terrifying experience because mm -hmm. there's so much um yeah. potential negativity surrounding you if if a kind of wrong decision is made or mm. if, if something happens that you kind of need to find a way that you can start shifting it at kind of grassroots level shifting it up but likewise it then comes down from the premier league from the kind of the bigger championships mm. and it kind of works together and meets in the middle yeah and they've done an all right job in in um race so they have kind of armbands and they, they they have stuff the players wear but they stamp it out in the terraces like and it's now a kind of um stand-up culture so if you hear it call it out and tell people and if you're if you are it's like countries some countries have been fined because they're founded they get fined mm. i don't think fine is particularly uh, um, effective i think kick people out you could do it no more kick them out if, if a club got banned from the premier league or banned from champions league for racial for fans a pocket of fans being mm -hmm. you know racist or homophobic they wouldn't stand for it. It's just, but yeah, but you're right. Look, I'll accept that. that. I think it's a good start. It's better. It's better than nothing. But just they've been doing rainbow laces for five, six years now. Yeah. And they're not moving it on. Yeah. Um, but where's yeah. where's the option for them to bring in what they've brought in for race for homophobia? Is there? Well, I suppose could, like they, they could, but they, they could. just haven't. Yeah, but it's I like mean, why? They, Very they good could, point. Yeah, they 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 could, but they haven't. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I really don't know. But you have to normalize behavior, and you have to normalize the situation that this is not okay. Because uh, I like I wouldn't take Alex to a Man United match. He's five. I wouldn't take him to a match. You know, 
until I don't know when I'll take it, probably never. Or oh, they're shit anyway, but <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't do that to Um Maxine, look, we're not going, we talked about a couple, and it's unfair to call brands out because you know we could go back and call out a, a company that did something again, and we're 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 picking on something somebody did a couple of years ago, which we just all agreed is wrong. So let's not we won't go over old ground, but if a brand does make a misstep, right? In the world in which we live, the consequences and the backlash, rightly or wrongly, can be huge because because social media can can rally people and they can rally people to boycott against something, which is a good thing. Um, what what should a brand do if it just messes something up? If it kind of has a bit of a misstep, should they what what should school of thought? Because you could say, should you just shut your mouth, say nothing, hope it goes away, or should you just go out and own it and be honest and go, you know what, we messed up? Because there's loads of examples of brands who did it. Well, I don't want to. Mm-hmm. maybe call them all out but what what's the best what's the best apology or <laughs> correction and or I, keep quiet yeah I, I don't think there's an easy answer for that I think it takes us back to my point about the extremes of social media reactions and the question about whether people will accept apologies anymore if I'm honest I think there may be circumstances and times where Brian probably should keep their head down after a misstep and just weather the storm if that misstep is something relatively minor, it's inconsequential, that they've kind of messed up with a social media post or something like that that isn't kind of hitting the headlines and isn't a major thing. But if they have done a, a proper misstep where they've mm-hmm. they've genuinely been kind of pushing, I don't know, pushing around the cause and they've been proven and shown that they are absolutely not living those values and they've com- kind of completely messed up, then I think that they need to acknowledge their mistake. Mm-hmm. And I think that can be beneficial to them. And I think if they handle it in a, a balanced way and they actually come back with genuine desire to correct their mistake, to hold their hands up and go, mm. you know what? We screwed up. We, we yeah. got this wrong, yeah. but this is what we are doing now. Just, so we're really yeah. sorry, but these are the steps we've taken. Mm. Then from a from a consumer perspective, I'd be looking at them kind of going, yeah, you, yeah. I was going to say you, you did. You did screw up, but yeah. hey, maybe something good can come of yeah. this because you're getting of, it right. A lot of consumers can all, all, like appreciate that a brand is acknowledging their mistake yeah. and actually putting in steps, actionable steps mm. to take, um, to, like change it rather mm. than just saying putting up a social post and saying, "Oh, sorry, we said that." Mm. Yeah, don't. there there is <laughs> yeah. actual like actionable, mm. you know, things behind it that they're actually taking on. Yeah, and that that I think can work, but it has to be done mm. properly. Uh, George, if you were for thinking about platforms, social platforms from a, like an advertising and a brand perspective, um, well, and and say you're working on a client, and they said again, I asked Max this earlier on, if we're thinking of getting involved in this, I won't name a cause, but whatever, thinking of getting getting involved in this cause, um, what would you say? how would you try to do about and we're thinking about getting involved in something which is good but we're thinking about doing a big campaign on social to promote the fact that we're doing it that we're getting I involved. suppose as I've kind of previously said you know there need it needs to be authentic and yeah. like fit with the brand fit with their values they almost need to have a paper trail so if they say oh we want to do a campaign supporting this cause I'm mm-hmm. almost like well we can do it next year you need to have you know, say a year's worth of you authentically supporting that cause, right, having, yeah, yeah. you know, a paper trail internally of you supporting that cause. You can't just decide, okay, we're uh, we're just going to support this cause and yeah. put out a campaign next week. That mm. doesn't really work like that. It won't feel authentic. 
and it won't like fit in again so it just it, needs to fit in with the values do it first make sure it's aligned yeah. to what your brand is about and then maybe after that do something like that because it feels like you yeah. promoting it is looking for credit for doing it in the first yeah because it, it almost feels like potentially if they say that it could be that mm-hmm. they're only supporting the cause for then the campaign for, output for social currency for, yeah, which, exactly, is, which is exactly what happens because this is what happens market research people and agency people go hey Younger audiences care about causes and they care about this, that, and the other. So guess what? You should care about those things too and they should talk about it and then that would be a, a great kind of synergy between that. And people aren't stupid. Like, you'd like to think they're not. People are stupid. Sorry, people are incredibly <laughs> stupid. But you'd like to think they can see through some of this stuff. Um, I kind of, I won't keep this too much longer. Social is really interesting at the moment. So I'm, I'm not, I just, I'm not, I'm not a, a contributor. I'm a consumer of social media. I do. I'm going to sound like a typical outlad here. I just find it narcissistic for people to be sharing photos of their crushed avocado breakfast that they have, and, <laughs> you know, crispy bacon. No one cares what you're eating for your breakfast, right? They don't care. But, um, but you know what? Fine. If that's your thing, great. Um, it's very narcissistic. But I, I think for a long time, given this, um, you know, this overly aesthetic and, and, sanitized and polished version of anything whether it's your breakfast or whatever the case may be there's a pressure on younger people to um live up to that that vision of perfection so and i think what's going on at the moment is you, we saw this before there was little trends that, that cropped up on, on platforms like the no makeup selfie so and that's kind of evolved now the kind of um rejection of perfection if you will um and i think that's a good thing and, and more recently we've seen TikTok. TikTok explodes and, and it feels less polished and less kind of um crafted content. It's more it's more genuine and authentic, which I think is a great thing. It's less stylized, if you will. And be real is the is the latest kind of fad. It's ad-free at the moment. How, how long will it remain ad-free? I don't know. If they've realized they got millions of users, they might get involved with with some kind of brands that they that they like at some point. Anyway, George, I'll start with you here. Yeah. Um what do you think about 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 be real as, as a platform generally and 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 as as a movement um you know do do you think it's great at the moment well i'm sure you think it's great what do you think of that trend do you think this is going to continue do you think we we'll see other things like this crop up or do you think it'll be monetized and yeah. it'll, it'll turn into everything else i suppose be real is just it's another platform mm. for people to be on like there's so many different platforms yeah. out there now and um, like but it has obviously taken off um but i see like i suppose from what a, a lot of people tend to be using it for is kind of more of a close friends right kind of type situation um where they maybe only share it with like their close inner circle and mm. um, so obviously because it's a more behind the scenes a more authentic kind of it has to be shared within that moment and who mm. knows what you could be doing that you might not want to be you know yeah, sharing yeah. it with the world um but i suppose like any other platform i potentially think be real will be monetized sure mm. all the the social platforms started off not monetized and yeah. look where we are now yeah um like this is why i have a job that yeah. they're the platforms are monetized. But it won't work. It won't work. <laughs> it won't work. It won't work. It can't work if it's anti. If it's if it's. it's they all started personal. like that though. Yeah. Like as in you know Meta, where they were saying, "Oh, we're not going to monetize Reels," course, and yeah. I was just, you know, now they are, and so you can now, and yeah. so. But I suppose, you know, as you were saying earlier about like the certain trends that have kind of popped off on social, like the no makeup selfie, I do think it kind of went it goes in waves. 
mm. where that came, kind of was trendy and then it was trendy to be perfect. And now I think we're kind of almost coming back to a place yeah. where it's more trendy to be authentic real and, and authentic yeah, yeah, and like yeah. not have perfection yeah. on your posts. And I think obviously like things like Instagram stories have kind of gotten a lot, a lot bigger. And, you know, yeah. I know for myself, like I watch a lot more stories than I would scroll through a feed mm. because I suppose that's the type of content I enjoy. Like I enjoy kind of more behind the scenes, off the cuff mm. kind of content rather than yeah. necessarily like perfectly planned, perfectly videoed mm. kind of content. Like it's almost like unvarnished. Yeah, true. So. Yeah. So we've gone wildly over um, as we always do. And as I always promise we won't. Um, and I feel that we're probably none the wiser. I mean, we're all kind of in the same agreement, but it's, it's, it's complex. It's not black and white, but I really did enjoy the chat. So thank you for taking the, the long and treacherous trip down two flights of stairs to join me in studio today. Uh, no, genuinely appreciate it. Thank you for your time. Um, so, and again, as always, thank you to our partners in Irish Science Media Solutions, whom without them, none of this would be possible. And a big thank you to Andrea on Sound and Kira in Marketing. If you enjoyed that episode, why not check out some of our back catalogue, these ever-growing and evergreen content. You'll find it by simply typing Irish Times Inside Marketing into your search engine of choice. So... What to take out if you're going to get involved in political and social or any kind of issues like that as a brand, make sure it's aligned to what you do and you practice what you preach before you start talking about it. So um, wise lessons learned today. Anyway, that's it. Until next time where I will be talking to the one and only Dave Trot. So yeah, until next time, stay safe. The Inside Marketing Podcast brought to you by Dentsu and Irish Times Media Solutions. 